Coming up on Locked on Dodgers, Max Muncy had a huge night. The offense and the pitching showed up on the same day, and it led to a Dodgers win like it will a lot this year. We'll talk about Muncy's big night. We'll talk about James Outman being trusted against lefties, and we'll talk a little bit about the latest in pitchcom this year with some pitchers calling their own pitches. That's what's on tap, so let's get Locked on Dodgers. You are Locked on Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Dodger fans, this is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening right now, and then you will never miss a day because you know we're not going to. If this is your first time with us, I am Jeff Snyder. That guy next to me is Vince Samperio. Vince and I are both lifelong Dodger fans just like you are, and we've also both spent time covering the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room. So we're not quite insiders, but we bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash MLB60 and use code MLB60 for 60% off plus free shipping. And uh, speaking of free shipping, Max Muncy shipped a couple of baseballs over the wall on Monday night. And uh, as far as I know, he didn't pay for it. Uh, I I think Logan Webb's ego and Sean Jelly's... uh, Major League Champ, although Jelly pitched well after that. Not really his fault, but I'm trying to segue here. And uh, Max Muncy was good, and the Dodgers won. And uh, Vince, when the offense and the pitching show up at the same time, this is still a really good team. Yeah, and that's going to happen hopefully more often than not. Like I said, flesh the weekend away. This is the best way to do it. You get six from your ace in Julio. You get you know a leadoff homer for Mookie. You get two homers from Max Muncy, who had been struggling and who I saw a lot of chatter on the timeline about moving them out of the fourth spot. If there's one thing, if you're a Dodger fan and you've watched the last few years is 10 games is not enough to get anybody moved out of any spot. So I don't know what the difference is now this year, uh, other than maybe people think they're not going to be as good as, as years past. But either way, yeah, Muncie, the interesting part is obviously we know he owns the Giants. Uh, now that's now 23 homers and 51 RBI and 73 games against the Giants. I think 62 of those games were starts. So, or 63, whatever, but he also seems to go back to something that he did last year to get up that got him going. And that's that little step back, not as exaggerated as it was last season, but it is there, whatever it is, if that's going to help him. I know he didn't like to, he didn't like to do it last year, but he got him going and he it, you know helped out with his timing. Uh, probably feels the same way about it this year, but the fact that he knows it works and if it works and continues to work, then, uh, you know, kick it, kick that foot back. Yep, for sure. During spring training, he said that he was doing away with the the step back because it was a compensation for the elbow injury and now that he was fully healthy, he didn't think he needed anymore, but he also left open the possibility of going back to it if necessary. And uh, he told Kirsten after the game tonight that, uh, that yeah, he, he felt like he needed to go back to it, to go back to some of the mechanical changes that they did late last year and Muncie, basically, after he started that step back late June last year, he was basically classic Max Muncie the rest of the year. And, uh, you know, we could, we could go for that classic Max Muncie. Uh, it's it's not going to be this easy. You know, he's not going to hit two home runs every game that he does the step back. Uh, 
prove me wrong, Max. Uh, but you know, it, it's, I mean, it works obviously. And, uh, he had another hit. He had, I think, did he only come up four times tonight? He had a walk and a single and two homers. Uh, I think that was his only four uh, plate appearances. And so, you know, it, it's hard to complain too much about that night for Max Muncy. And it's, it really does illustrate, like you said, that overreacting this early in the season is never a good idea. Uh, guys are going to struggle and guys are going to have 10 game slumps. And when that 10, 10 game slump happens at the beginning of the season, you think this guy can't hit anymore. And when it happens in October, you think this guy can't handle the pressure of October. And when it happens in August, you think this guy can't handle a long season. And really, most of the time, all it really means is, oh, it's baseball. Baseball's a hard game. The pitcher's out there trying to get me out. And sometimes he's successful. And sometimes the pitcher's successful eight or 10 games in a row. And that's how baseball goes. And so uh, it was, I, I was very happy for Max Muncy tonight for sure. Yeah. The other part of, Oh, move him out of the four spot, you know, type of behavior is okay. Who are you putting in the four spot? Then I guess the answer could be James Outman. Um, you know, he's the only other guy or not. He's the main guy that's hitting in that bottom part of the lineup. But if it's not James Outman and maybe don't, you know, we probably don't want to put a Ricky there in general anyways, but it's not like JD Martinez is hitting, you know, no one's really hitting stand out enough to be in that four spot. So, you know, Max Muncy's that guy. He's going to continue to be that guy and, you know, hopefully he gets it going here and, and you know, we see the offense start to click even more. You know, I, I didn't go back and look. I, I wanted to, but the Dodgers seem to score at the very least early. Uh, they scored in the first inning. I got to say, I would imagine at least four or five of the games so far, um, you know, and it doesn't always work out as we saw the other day when Syndergaard pitched, but getting on them early, that top of the lineup, you know, today that top of the lineup, hit three homers, uh, those first four in the lineup. And then, you know, everyone else kind of filled in. We'll get into Outman a little bit later. He's the other guy that, that kind of added to it. But, yeah, Max Muncy, this Dodger offense, obviously, is going to be good if the guys at the top of the order are good. You know, Mookie Betts is hitting, if Freddie Freeman's hitting, if, you know, Will Smith and Max Muncy, if all those guys are hitting, then this offense is still going to be pretty good. And when it comes down to it, you know, even Mookie Betts asked him before the game how he's felt this this start to the season has been for him, and he said it's been trash for him, and he, he hasn't had as bad a time as Max Muncy has. Uh, so he got, you know, hopefully getting going right today with that homer, leadoff homer. He had two other hits and hit another ball hard that, uh, you know, just stayed up long enough for the center fielder to get it. So, yeah, this offense goes when the top of the order goes, as with any team, but I think a little bit more with this team uh, than in years past. Yeah, they've scored in the first inning in seven of their 11 games now, which is, uh, yeah, usually that's a pretty good formula. And, uh, you know, I, I saw it, it was kind of funny, like in our YouTube comments on your episode yesterday, uh, there was a lot of people or at least some vocal people uh, talking about what was wrong with the offense. And the story of the weekend against the Diamondbacks wasn't the offense. It was the pitching. You know, I mean, the and some, one guy saying, you know, the the Diamondbacks they put the ball in play and then let let you know take advantage of no shift and blah 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 and Dodgers are out there swinging for the fences. In Sunday's game, the Dodgers struck out four times and the D-backs struck out ten times. Like it, it's so easy to look for for an easy answer, and shockingly, the easy answer is always the thing that you already believed anyway. And re realistically. The reason the Dodgers lost three out of four to the Diamondbacks is because the pitching didn't show up, you know, and there's plenty of reasons why that might be. And, uh, you know, none of those are easy answers either. But uh, 
yeah, I mean, the offense has been doing really well, other than basically other than the two games against the Diamondbacks in the opening series when the Dodgers lost two to one. The offense has shown up almost every game and and looked really, really good. And uh, you know, hopefully Syndergaard and whoever fills the fifth rotation spot uh can step things up a little bit and and not give away big leads like like they did this weekend. But uh yeah, I, I'm feeling good about the offense and I'm feeling even better about it if Max Muncie is really gonna start hitting too. Yeah, it's the first four games of the season against the Dodgers. The Diamondbacks scored seven runs. So where was that, uh, you know, that find the hole and speed the shift and make contact? You know, it, it was a matter of a bad weekend, hopefully, for the Dodgers and on the pitching side. And the Diamondbacks put the bat on the ball when, I mean, when they did put the bat on the ball, it just happened to be a base hit. But as you mentioned, it wasn't always them putting the bat on the ball. They did strike out. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I, I totally agree. I'm not dismissing the Diamondbacks are an exciting team. Like I wish everybody on the Dodgers was as fast as Corbin Carroll. Like it would change the game, but yeah, I mean, nobody in baseball is as fast as Corbin Carroll. It's not just the Dodgers who aren't as fast as Corbin Carroll. It's everybody in baseball and the Dodgers overall in the eight games against the Diamondbacks have done a decent job of limiting Carroll's impact, even though he's stolen five bases against them. Like he, he hasn't done a ton of getting on base. And, uh, you know, we did see in that game where he did steal two bases and both of them led to a run. And so he can definitely impact the game when he's on base. And the, the key is don't want to get on base, but, uh, yeah, the, the brand of baseball, it, it's going to slump too. the Diamondbacks are going to have slumps too, because, uh, they, they're just another baseball team that plays good sometimes and not great sometimes. So, um, one guy who plays great, seems like almost all the time, it's James Outman. We're going to come back in a minute. James Outman got a key at bat against a tough lefty in this game on Monday night. And we're going to talk about whether that is a uh, harbinger of good things to come. So thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first session every weekday morning. And please keep it Locked On Dodgers. This episode is brought to you by So Rare. Our new sponsor, So Rare, is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace, transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. And unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, so rare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. What sort of epic rewards you might ask? Well, so rare, so rare MLB game weeks happen twice weekly and span a three or four day cycle. At the end of game weeks, so rare MLB managers who rank at or near the top of their leaderboards win a variety of rewards, which can include so rare scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars. Prizes may vary depending on the competition. This is a fantasy baseball where you can actually win really cool stuff. Not bragging rights, but, you know, meeting Juan Soto, that would be kind of cool. Uh, so, Head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn. That's S-O-R-A-R-E.com slash LockedOn to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. All right, we are back. We want to thank you again for making LockedOn Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Uh if you're watching on YouTube, we'd love to hear your comments in the comments section. Uh, even when I disagree with them, I do appreciate them. And, uh, you know, I, I, I probably mention the ones I disagree with more than the ones I agree with. Maybe that's, maybe I need to be better at that, but, uh, you know, a uh, little friendly debate among Dodger fans is always fun. Uh, and I hope I'm respectful about it. At least I actually almost quote, quote tweeted somebody on Twitter tonight, Vince, who, uh, had tweeted something dumb and I looked and saw that the person follows me. So I didn't quote tweet them. 
Uh, that's, uh, that's one of the perils of wanting everybody to like you. Uh, that, that's how I am. But uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys in the comment section. If you're listening on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you on social media or email or whatever. We'll give you all that contact info at the end. But uh, Vince, James Outman uh, continues to play really well. He had another triple tonight. He now has three homers and three triples through 11 games, which I think puts him on pace for about 42 or 43 of each. And uh, if he, uh, I'll go on record right now. If he hits 42 homers and 42 triples this year, he will win the MVP award, not just the rookie of the year. Maybe even the Cy Young award. They might just give him all three. I thought you were going to offer up your shoe again. No, uh, no, because uh, – <laughs> Oh yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm holding out hope on that one. So, uh, yeah. And he's looking really good. And a key moment came late in the game. The Dodgers were at four to one still, you know, very much in question the, these giants, I think the giants have the second most home runs in the national league right behind the Dodgers. And so they, they can hit and, uh, a four to one lead is not safe. And the giants brought in Taylor Rogers, the twin brother of Tyler Rogers. Taylor is the left-hander. Uh, they brought him into pitch, and Dave Roberts let James Outman stay in the game. Uh, Trace Thompson was on the bet on the bench, presumably could have pinch hit for him, um, but uh, they let Outman hit, and uh, I think he got in an zero and two count, and then ended up working a walk, and that walk started the rally that ended. And by the time that inning ended, the Dodgers were up nine to one. Outman ended up scoring; he stole second. He's now still the only Dodger with a stolen base this year. He's two for two. Uh, he, he stole second, scored on a Mookie Betts single, and uh, Freddie followed that up with a single, and then Smith followed that up with a single that maybe showcased Wilmer Flores' athleticism better than anything any words could possibly do. One of the least athletic plays you'll see on a baseball field by Wilmer Flores. Loaded the bases, and then Max Muncy came up and hit the grand slam. And uh, that inning started because James Outman put up a really tough at bat against a tough lefty and worked a walk. And uh, – Vince, you mentioned before we hit record that uh, Jack Harris uh, from the LA Times said that that might be something we see a little bit more of. Yeah, it started because Dave Roberts let James Outman face a left-handed pitcher, and you know it's a matter of if he had if he hadn't said anything before the game, just with this, you would believe okay, maybe he's trusting him a little bit more, wants to see at the very least what he can do. He did homer off Bumgarner the other night, and you know maybe it is a matter of what kind of left-handed pitcher. But yeah, Jack Harris from the LA Times did mention that Roberts said he he does trust Outman against left-handed pitchers, and yeah, we saw him get pinch hit for for Austin Barnes earlier this season, and you know we talked about it then, and and now he didn't get pinch hit for this time, and and we saw the walk. Like I said, Rogers doesn't throw as hard as, you know, I don't remember who he faced the last time it was left-handed when he got pinch hit for, but, you know, Bumgarner doesn't throw that hard either. So, you know, is it a matter of velocity thing? Is it a matter of they're going to, you know, let him go until he shows that he can't hit left-handed pitching in the major leagues? I don't know, but this is exactly what we wanted. You know, the guy's hot, he's playing well, and, you know, Trace Thompson isn't necessarily, he had that one night, but other than that one night, he only has one other hit, and, Hasn't shown that he could hit lefties last year. Didn't really show that he could hit lefties too much, you know, in, in spring or anything so far this season. That That's anything special. So I don't mind seeing Outman get those at-bats. And even if sometimes he does struggle or doesn't get a hit or, you know, strikes out against a left-handed pitcher, that's fine because you want to see what he can do. And, and it's with Trace Thompson at this point, you, you kind of know what you're going to get to a certain extent. With the other guys that are more veteran players, you kind of know what you're going to get to a certain extent. James Outman. Yeah, he can go off minor league numbers, but that's a different game down there. You got to see what he can do against major league pitching left-handed, especially this season specifically when he's playing very, very, very well. 
Yeah, this was his sixth plate appearance against a lefty this season. And uh, I don't know how many of those you remember, Vince. Um, Here's how they've gone. Uh, Kyle Nelson hit him with a pitch. Homered off Bumgarner. Strikeout against Bumgarner. Walk against Bumgarner to load the bases. Walk against Kyle Nelson again. And now a walk against Taylor Rogers. So Outman is one for two with uh, the eighth. 833 on base percentage against lefties this year. Uh, that'll play and one for two. So uh, 2000 slugging percentage too. So uh, 2833 against OP, uh, OPS against lefties this year. Uh, you know, if he finishes that this season with that too, I'll, uh, I, I'm that bolsters his MVP case, I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, so far this year, all he's done is hit and really is showing that good eye. And so like, like you said, maybe it is a certain kind of pitcher and, and it, I don't know if lefties are more susceptible to this, but it seems like in my, this is anecdotal for sure. And if somebody has any data on this, I'd love to hear that I'm wrong or right. Um, I wonder if there's more lefties who do rely on chase than, you know, actually beating you in the strike zone. Uh, because that seems to be one of James Outman's really, really big strengths is, making pitchers come into the strike zone against him. And, uh, you know, obviously he, he struck out and looked pretty bad in his last at bat uh, to uh, Monday night, although that was against a righty. Uh, but for the most part, he does a really good job of making guys come into the zone. And if, you know, Bumgarner, his stuff isn't very good anymore. And I think he does rely a little bit on chase. He's got that kind of sweeping slider that ends up out of the zone most of the time. And, and if you can go up there and not swing at that, I mean, Taylor Rogers, like he had him O2 and then, Outman was just like, okay, but you're going to have to beat me in the zone to finish this strikeout. And Rogers never did come into the zone and Outman got the walk and uh, he's done that a few times against lefties now. And so I, I don't know, do, am I making up the fact that lefties maybe rely on chase more than righties do? No, I think there, especially like there's a lower percentage of left-handed pitchers in general already. And then, you know, crafty lefty is a thing. You don't hear crafty righty as often. You know, there are crafty righties, but here crafty lefty as often. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Jamie Moyer pitched into his, into his early 40s. Rich Hill still pitching. Uh, and these guys don't throw hard, and they don't necessarily throw too many strikes uh, if they don't need to because when they do, it's 90, low 90s over the plate and pretty easy for a major league hitter to, to get a hit. So, yeah, I do think there's guys that out there that, that rely on getting you to chase and, you know, it's annoying when you see Dodger, you know, Oliver Perez, one of those guys as well, that that pitched for, you know, 20-some years and, you know, didn't really ever seem to throw that hard but was able to get guys for whatever reason, whether it's they're baiting you into it, whatever the case is, uh, it does seem to work out for them. And if Outman can just stay off of that, at the very least, even if he doesn't hit very well against lefties, if he can just have good at-bats, draw some of those walks, have an on-base percentage around 400, you know, that's more than half the battle and that's going to keep him in the lineup against all types of pitchers. Yeah, I sure hope so because he's he's fun to watch and he brings uh, he's dynamic. Uh, he brings excitement. He he's very fast, so he's fun to watch run the bases. Uh, I mean, he almost had a a base hit on a, a ground ball to third tonight. That you know, third base remained a nice stab, but the ball was hit hard, and Outman almost beat the throw. And uh, I mean, he 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 makes things happen. It's exciting. Not quite Corbin Carroll speed, but uh, he's better looking than Corbin Carroll, and that that matters too. So, uh, and I appreciate you saying that Jamie Moore pitched till his early forties because Jamie Moore pitched till he was forty nine, and that makes me feel I'm a month and a half away from my forty sixth birthday. And uh, thanks to Vince, I can now still say I'm in my early forties. So, uh, and I've got three more years in my early forties. It sounds like so that's, that's good for news for me. 
That was for you. I appreciate that. Uh, and, and Vince is in his late twenties. He's only yeah. 32. So, uh, uh, all right, we're going to come back in a minute and talk not specifically about this game, although it was spurred by something in this game. We're going to talk about uh, the new evolution in PitchCon this year, which is pitchers calling their own pitches. So we'll be right back with that. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning, and please continue to keep it Locked On Dodgers. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. And uh, there's plenty of things you can bet on in baseball. If you are if you are a betting fan and uh, somewhere where FanDuel is available, Clayton Kershaw is pitching against the Giants today. That are, are on not today, on Wednesday. Clayton Kershaw against the Giants is always a good bet. So, uh, you know, keep that one in mind if you're going to FanDuel. Don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, we are back. We want to thank you again for making Lockdown Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. And uh, Vince, I noticed tonight while we're watching this game, uh, I guess I should uh, give our seasonally disclaimer. I often say tonight because we record this, you know, after the game. So as I'm recording this right now, it's 10.55 p.m. in Utah where I am. It's 9.55 p.m. where Vince is and where the Dodgers played. Uh, and so yeah, you're listening to this on Tuesday morning. I'm recording it Monday night. So just know when I mean tonight, I, or when I say tonight, I mean Monday night. Um, I noticed that Logan Webb was calling his own pitches. And, you know, Joey Bart was his catcher. Bart has not, I, I don't actually know what Bart's reputation is as a pitch caller. Um, I know that he was a top prospect, but a lot of that was for his bat. And, uh, you know, and I don't know if, if Logan Webb always, I, this is the first Logan Webb start I've, I've watched this year. Actually, no, I did watch a little bit of opening day against the Yankees uh, when everybody in the game struck out every time they were up, it felt like. Um, but I, I don't know if Logan Webb always calls his own pitches, but uh, I haven't seen that. Uh, with the Dodgers pitchers this year, I haven't noticed it. I, it's possible that maybe one or two pitchers have done that. Some, uh, I know ba- Madison Bumgarner was calling his own pitches, and like for me, I, I get it and I understand the reasoning behind it, and and I think it makes sense for some guys. I kind of love that Will Smith and Austin Barnes are key parts of of the game planning process and the the pitcher's success. Like, I, I feel like that puts a lot on a pitcher to. You know, I, I want, I want my pitchers going out there and working on their stuff. You know, in between starts, I want you focusing on, okay, what do I need to do to make sure I can execute my, my curveball next time I'm out, you know, you focus on the actual pitching and let the catchers worry about which pitch to throw in which situation, like as a pitcher, not the pitchers can't handle it. Obviously they can. Um, but I mean, there's a reason that so many major league catchers become major league managers. You know, they are, the field generals, they, they really, really understand the game. And I think it's awesome to have your catcher be part of that game plan so that the pitcher can just focus on executing his pitches. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, Vince, I, I feel pretty strongly about this. I don't know if you do. I, I, I deliberately didn't ask you how strongly you feel about it before we decided to talk about it because, uh, I'm kind of hoping we disagree on this because we hardly ever disagree on this show. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel as strongly, but I do think I do, you know, I was a catcher, so 
I say from the other side where I want to call the game and, and I want to be, you know, kind of in charge of what's going on. And you as a pitcher, obviously we talk, you know, half innings, you guys talk and, you know, you know what, my, I can't throw the slider for a strike. So we need a strike, you know, don't, don't call a slider or, all right, you know, I don't feel this pitch right now, whatever the case is, those conversations. And I think there's certain guys out there, you know, Kershaw would qualify as one of those guys that would, you know, have trust in calling his own game. But Kershaw knows that he's there to pitch and he trusts obviously Austin Barnes, well, you know, and, and now Will Smith. He trusts those guys and he trusts Mark Pryor. And he trust, you know, they talk about the, the matchups before the game starts, anyways. And and you know, I don't know how every team does it. Every team might do it differently, but you know, specifically we know the Dodgers from what's been said, they have you know pregame meeting every game with pitchers and prior and the pitcher and the catcher, and you know, just kind of figure out how they're gonna attack every hitter. So, you know, that plan is already in place. A guy like and it also means that Dodgers pitchers are comfortable with the pitch clock and, you know, and how the timing of the game is going. Cause that's the other part of it. You know, Max Scherzer has been one that's been, you know, calling his own pitches and, and we know that's because he wants to just get on the mound and pitch pretty much. And, and he's a different type of player. You know, Otani has been calling his own pitches, but Otani's you know, a cerebral player that maybe, you know, is good enough to do that. Zach Greinke, another guy, cerebral, uh, you know, doesn't doesn't have the quite the stuff that Otani has these days, but crafty still, righty. He, yeah, crafty righty. Uh, and it's funny that I don't think he knows which button is which because he pushes them and he'll shake himself off and uh, until he probably hears the right one. So, yeah, so I, I think for the Dodgers, the complete trust in the pitching staff and the, you know, pitching coaching staff and the catchers is fine. They're comfortable with the pitch clock or pitch timer, or whatever you want to call it. And uh, I think it all lends itself well into what, you know, imagine if the bullpen was struggling and we knew these guys were calling their own pitches and you know, it'd be easy to be like, oh, well, maybe they shouldn't do that anymore. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I do have to acknowledge my bias here. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, I, I think if Kershaw was calling his own pitches, I would probably think, oh, calling your own pitches is great, you know, because I, I am biased. And obviously the fact that my favorite team isn't doing it suggests to me that, uh, you know, smart team shouldn't do it, but, uh, I, yeah, I, I really do love that the catchers are part of that, that process. And, you know, it almost every Dodgers pitcher after a big game, when they talk with, with the media or whatever, they'll always credit the catcher for calling a good game. You know, uh, you, you always see that any pitcher, you know, any no hitter, it's always a guy like, Oh yeah, I didn't have to shake him off once, you know, or whatever. And I don't think Kershaw ever shakes Barnes off, uh, not not very often anyway, and, and uh, yeah, it, it's fun, and I, I think that you know, you and me, just like this podcast. I was a pitcher, you were a catcher, you know, and and you need both parts of that of that team to really be effective, and uh, yeah, it, it seems I don't know, egotistical or something. I don't want to say that because I really like Shohei Otani, and uh, you know, but I mean, like Justin, Jessica Mendoza said on the game tonight, Otani could you know tell the hitter what he's going to throw, and he'd still be tough to hit that frisbee slider and that splitter and and 100 mile an hour fastball and stuff uh granky uh, telling the hitter what's coming seems like a granky or a trevor bauer thing uh, i assume both of them have done that at some point um but yeah you know it, it's I, i'm sure there's different reasons for every pitcher uh but i i really like that the dodgers aren't doing it. that's all i'm saying yeah speaking of knowing when pitchers are coming uh, we didn't talk about this pre-show, but Evan Gaddis was on social media talking a lot about the 2017 Astros and, you know, kind of confirming what's already been uh, proven by 
them suspending and doing, you know, whatever the sanctions that the Astros got. Uh, but the one that we always bring up and the one that he brought up is that uh, I'm sure the Dodgers have their own system as well. And that adds to like the list of like what 15, 20 players that have said that already, but or other teams like that have said either the Dodgers specifically or other teams have had systems. But you know, you're thinking today's day and, and age that uh, that would have came out already if, if it yep. was something above where the Astros were. Yeah. And li- like I've said, I, I honestly think that's usually a case of the baseball player making the accusation, not being smart enough to understand the difference between legal sign stealing and illegal sign stealing. And I think that's part of the problem that what the, I, I think I, I, I could believe, I don't know for sure if it's true, but I could believe if half of the Astros team didn't even realize what they were doing is illegal because they're stupid. Like, you know, I, I think professional athletes aren't necessarily your smartest subject subsection of the human population. Uh, a lot of them didn't even go to college and, you know, were worshipped as athletes from the time they were mid teenagers, early teenagers. And so never really a lot of motivation to to put in the old book learning. And so uh, maybe Evan Gaddis is just dumb, like Logan Morrison is and like other guys who've made those accusations. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think we definitely need to put in the show description, make sure that we make it clear that we talk about this. And then because you didn't even bring it up till 27 minutes in. So all these Astros fans who are going to be here just to be mad about it. I want to thank you all for, <laughs> for watching this entire episode or listening to this entire episode. The, these views means a, a lot to us. And I hope that you just let us have it in the comment section and show how secure you are about that 2017 World Series championship that your team has already been punished for cheating, having proven to be cheaters, cheaters, and having now admitted by several members of the team to be cheaters. Be sure to let us know how they didn't really cheat because that's always a fun conversation. Thanks for the views, Astros fans. <laughs> yeah. Uh if he didn't say anything new, so that's why, you know, I even forgot about yeah. it until right now. But, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, the other thing he did admit himself is that he used performance-enhancing drugs. I don't think he ever got caught for it. So, uh, yeah, so shout-out to Evan Gaddis. Yeah. Oso Blanco, is that, was that his name or is that Brian McCann? They're the same person. Uh, no, that was Evan Gaddis, I think. Okay. Yeah, there. They, they are the same person. I, I don't even know how they got away. That's another way they cheated, having both of those guys on the same team. And they're the same person. One wears batting gloves, one doesn't. That's how they differentiate. Which one, though? Evan Gaddis doesn't wear, doesn't wear batting gloves. Well, I just assume maybe sometimes he did, sometimes he didn't. Back when I was uh, in college, I used to have one sideburn. And uh, I had a roommate for like uh, a year and a half. When he finally realized I had one sideburn, he just, he said, I just thought sometimes you had sideburns and sometimes you didn't, depending on which side of you I was looking at. So, you know, uh, I called it my snide burn. Um, anyway, I think that's going to do it now that I've told you all my deep, dark college secrets. Uh, maybe next time I'll tell you about what my snide burns look like in high school when I couldn't grow facial hair. Uh, but that's for another episode. Dun, dun, dun. You got anything else for today, Vince? No, we're good. I'm just going to tell you now. I grew this part of my hair out. <laughs> really long and I just hang them down. So it looked like sideburns. It was the nineties, man. I wanted sideburns. 90210 had them. Jason Priestley has sideburns. How come I can't grow sideburns? So right, there wasn't cell phones back then. So no one was making fun of you yeah, on the, the internet. No pictures of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just in person <laughs> and to my face. 
all right, that's going to do it for today. Thank you all for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen. We really appreciate it. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're not watching or listening to Locked On Dodgers every day, we'd love if you had one or two days a month to your rotation. If you have friends or family who love the Dodgers as much as you do, please tell them about the show because maybe they'll like it, you know? Maybe they won't, but uh, you know, maybe out of respect to you, they'll watch it anyway. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Locked On Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Semperio. I'm on Twitter at Snydog, and the DMs are open in all of those places. Our email address is LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com, and our phone number for voicemails or text messages is 323-863-LOCK-5625. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.